0: I'm Kevin Barrett, and you're listening to Truth Jihad Radio. No commercials. No foundation sponsors. 100% crowdfunded since 2010. If you want to support this kind of radio and get early access to the shows, please go to KevinBarrett.Substack.com. Hour of tonight's Live Truth Radio. I'm Kevin Garrett, and I've been breaking big stories on this radio show ever since I started out in fall of 2006. Two of the biggest stories I ever broke were the Israel did 9-11 story with Alan Sabroski. Alan Sobrowski, the former head of strategic studies at the U.S. Army War College. He's a retired Marine Corps officer, and he's now doing the first Fridays of the month on my radio show. But back in 2010, he broke the story about Israel being 11, and he did lines all over the alternative media, and he's, uh, he's still uh, chugging away. We're going to hear him on the first Friday here on Truth Jihad Radio every month. We just heard his first, First Friday. Well, another big story that we broke here on Truth Jihad Radio was on my birthday in 2020, February 9th, uh, Jeff Brown came on and said, quote, coronavirus is bio war on China. That was the headline of that radio show. And Jeff's early assessment turned out to be basically correct. More and more evidence kept coming in. And uh, by and large, or lo and behold, eventually, uh, Ron Unz, uh wrote a book about it called Our COVID-19 Catastrophe, And I think the only reason that the world hasn't accepted this at this point is fear of the implications that the world's most powerful nation, the United States, had some crazy enough people in the war sector and or its administration or military apparatus that they thought that attacking China with an economic bioweapon that would you know kill just enough people that you have to shut down and lock down and panic and go into all of your bio war drills, which of course the whole world pretty much did was it was a good idea well, Jeff Brown saw that coming early on, and he's back now uh, so Jeff Brown I think has has been pretty right back says a lot of things about China that you're never going to hear anywhere in most of the alternative media not to mention the mainstream. And I think he's barking up a whole lot of right trees, including his work on the history of biowarfare. So let's uh, get into it with Jeff Brown. Hey, welcome, Jeff. How are you? How are you doing?
1: Thanks for having me back, Kevin. Uh, Happy uh, New Year and uh, wishing everybody out there the best for 2024, the year of the dragon in China.
0: The year of the dragon. Now, is that an auspicious year?
1: Yeah, usually it's considered to be one one of the more popular ones, and in the year of the dragon, there's going to be a lot of activity, surprises, energy, etc. And having and with Ukraine and uh, and now the Holocaust in Palestine, and and not to mention the you know the South China Sea, uh, the United States you know, trying to frustrate China in the South China Sea, trying to start a war there. Uh, I think it is going to be, live up to its name as a as as a year of, of 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 excitement and intensity I'm afraid you're
0: probably right uh for better or for worse well you know I recently saw you cited by Ramin Mazahari the longtime Press TV Paris correspondent and I guess he's kind of a roving uh, correspondent these days he wrote about the I Ching and uh, Mao Zedong's, uh swimming river as mirroring uh, a key hexagram in the I Ching, this ancient uh, Chinese book of wisdom that's sometimes used as a divining tool. I actually have a whole history with the I Ching, which I won't get into in, on this uh, podcast, broadcast, but I will say that before I ended up coming to Islam, I did explore different spiritual traditions, and I was really taken with the I Ching. In any case, uh, the uh, I think there, what was the did you talk with Ramin or were you involved in, in Ramin Mazahiri, uh noticing that the uh, the Western analysts uh, on China the Western so-called experts never seem to even notice the symbolism of Mao Tse Tung uh, swimming the, the Great the River. Yangtze,
1: yeah, the, the Yangtze River. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. L- yeah. Literally, physically yeah. swam it, which is one of the most dangerous rivers in, uh, in the world to try to swim in. And uh, two months after the start of the Cultural Revolution, and uh, the quote is something to the effect, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, cross great rivers, you know, to achieve great things, and this was a uh, uh, to this this was to inspire the people. Of course, the Chinese got it, they got the they, they got the uh, the symbolism that he was telling them to that uh to uh to everybody should you know get gather together and rally together and create and create great things great change in uh in china which was the Cultural revolution and we don't have time to go into it here probably but it was incredibly successful and everything is so counterfactual the propaganda against it is so awful in the west uh, but um, there's plenty of Plenty of places on, on my website for people to access, uh, not not just Ramin, but Godfrey Roberts and myself and the the uh, writers group just published a uh, a, a free PDF uh, ebook uh, called uh, the uh, uh, the the Little Red Book on Mao Zedong, and 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 there's a lot in there about about him and his his era. So yeah, R- Ramin was onto something, and it's just it's funny you mentioned that because uh, a very h- highly esteemed uh, a historian, Chinese historian in the China Writers Group, Quan uh, Li, uh, just responded to R- Ramin just uh, an hour before the show started, uh, confirming that that is exactly true that what uh, Mao was doing wa- was also digging deep into the into the uh, <coughs> Into the uh, I Ching, and, or I Ching, I Ching, whatever. Which it, it, both work, and uh, so that Ra, Ramin was really onto something. And uh, Ramin asked for confirmation, and he got one of the best sources in the business, and that's Dr. Quan Lee. So uh, it is true.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, so that that hexagram, Nei Ching, apparently is is maybe the most auspicious one. So it's it's sort of a symbol of it's a good time to really you know to to do what you're going to do. And it's amazing that the Western so-called experts on China would be completely clueless about that. It sort of reminds me of the way that commentary on the Muslim world is so misguided does not understand the quranic references uh does not understand like the notion of jihad for example which is a good thing uh, the whole notion of jihad it means effort and striving and it's sort of the counterpart of the word islam which means surrender and of course it means surrender to god alone and you can't, you know, when you surrender, you're kind of giving up your ego, you know, ultimately, especially if you're a mystic, you're experiencing fana or the illusion of your ego. But if you annihilate your ego, it's like the, you know, the first LSD experimenters discovered is who's going to take out the garbage. Right. So there still has to be some kind of effort that's made in the world. You can't just surrender completely to God and then just, you know, lie there prostrate on the floor. And so the effort is the counterpart. That's what jihad is. It's the counterpart to Islam, surrender, jihad, effort and examples of that kind of effort mean one of them is defending the community and that can be a military defense and that is a very you know high level kind of effort and struggle and striving that people have to do sometimes but the greater jihad is the struggle effort in striving to be a better person it's the jihad enough which was actually the subject of the khutbah or islamic sermon that i attended at the friday prayers today uh, mm-hmm. And that's that inner inner struggle, you know, to get closer to God and to purify your attentions, your niya, and to be a better person. Now, so that's what jihad is. It's a good thing. And the Western portrayal of it is just completely backwards. Uh, and it really, and even among the experts, so many of the experts, not all, but a lot of the experts on Islam are just as clueless as the experts on China who had no idea what Mao was doing when he swam that river.
1: Yeah, well, Kevin, it's really funny. After after World War II, the, the the United States had quite a few sinologists. I mean, some really top rated sinologists uh, in the uh, in the late '40s and and uh, up 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 until the McCarthy era. Uh, you know, fluent in Chinese, uh, feet boots on the ground in China. Been there, read you know, red history, read Chinese texts and everything, and as and as soon as the McCarthy era came, you know, who lost China? You know when uh, when uh, Mao and the and the communists you know swept across the country and kicked the fascist KMT uh, out of the country into onto the island of Taiwan. And most people don't know that there were also a hundred thousand uh, American Marines on the ground at that time too in the United States. In China, with the full force of the uh, ch- uh, American Navy and Air Force trying to save uh, the uh, the fascist uh, 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 mafia criminal uh, uh, Chiang Kai Shek, so they all got kicked out. And uh, uh, so uh, at that point, you know, the the in Life magazine, Look magazine, you know, Henry Luce and all the Reader's Digest, you know, who lost China, and so. McCarthy, actually, that was actually one of, of Joseph McCarthy's launching pads was who lost China. And once that happened and the paranoia, you know, Americans just seemed to revel in fearing and fearing and loathing just one group after another. Well, the Chinese became that, became that group big time uh, with, with the rise of uh, the, the, the People's Republic of China, Communist Socialist China. And they fired Anybody at the the CIA, at the Department of State, in any government agency, if someone had any association with China, they were they were they were dumped because of they were tainted. So no one knew. So by the time, so by by nineteen six by nineteen sixty. Nobody in the CIA could speak Chinese, and nobody at the Department of State could speak Chinese. Nobody in you know in any in, in any of the government agencies could speak Chinese because they all got kicked out. So of course they didn't know what was going on because the, all, their, all, their 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 brain trust had been dumped. So that's the the, the stupidity, the lunacy of uh, uh, of American of American foreign policy, just like what was this. Uh, don't buy, what was it, don't buy Chinese, I don't remember what it was, mustard or or soy sauce or something, you know, because it, you know, it might be evil, I mean, we're not, we're not very smart, and uh, we're really seeing that in in Ukraine, and we're definitely seeing it, you know, for the, uh, for the, for the, for the Palestinian Holocaust, and so that's why they didn't know. No, everybody was clueless because no one could even say, Ni hao, how are you in Chinese and the American government?
0: Well, there's a parallel there with the so-called Arabists. Uh, there's a book called The Arabists by a Jew named Kaplan. And what it is, is it's kind of a Jewish Zionist police dossier on American experts on the Arab world who were viewed by Jews and Zionists as being very, very dangerous. And so there's always been this kind of war between the Arabists, meaning the people who actually know something about uh, the Arab world. They can speak Arabic and they know the culture versus the Zionists who discover that, you know, any American that learns how to speak Arabic and learns about the culture tends to really like the Arabs. And it's kind of hilarious. There's a passage in Kaplan's book called The Arabists, which, again, is a Jewish police dossier uh, on all of these American experts on the Arab and Islamic worlds, In which he admits that essentially all American Middle East experts who go to the Arab world, go to Palestine and then also go to Israel, they universally end up loving Palestinians and hating Israelis. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. Kaplan, of course, frames this as, oh, they all become anti-Semitic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, but he's kind of embarrassed by the fact that this is basically the universal reaction of every American that actually gets to know these cultures, discovers that the Arabs and the Palestinians in particular are really likable and the Israelis quite the opposite. And yeah. so there's a real parallel there. And then it served the Israelis' interest to have these witch hunts against the so-called Arabists of the State Department and so on. Because now they've gotten rid of all the Americans who know anything about the region and they have to depend on the Israelis. And that's Mm -hmm. probably why we had 11th, because the American capacity to do anything with the Arab and Islamic worlds was so low that basically we just outsourced everything to the Zionists and we ended up outsourcing 9-11 to the Zionists. I think the Zionists were the Israel was the B team that blew up the World Trade Center and probably did most of the damage on 9-11 uh, because we stood down for them, because we basically turned over our Middle East policy to them. So yeah, I think there's a parallel between the uh, the Chinese China experts being dumped circa 1950, 1960, and the uh, Arabists who've been witch hunted, you know, since then.
1: Well, I traveled to uh, Israel for two weeks in about 1983 because I spoke fluent Arabic. You know, I was I, I worked in the Arab world from 1980 to 1990, and was in Peace Corps in in Tunisia, and learned fluent Arabic, and went to the trouble to learn modern standard Arabic, and read read much of the Quran and some of the Hadith in uh, in, in in Arabic, and uh, so when I was in Cairo to fly to uh, Tel Aviv, uh, obviously Mossad is in every airport where the Isra- where where Al Al flies. Or any airline that flies to to Israel, there is Mossad at that airport, departing airport, and of course they heard me speaking Arabic and they saw, and they you know saw all of my stamps, and, and so I was literally met at the in my hotel room, like at the Marriott uh, in Tel Aviv when I got there, like at one or one or two in the morning, with a Mossad agent waiting for me in my bedroom, carrying a holster. A holster revolver rifled my suitcase, and I was just there as a businessman, an American businessman, and I, and I was tr- and I was treated like an absolute criminal. They followed me every step of the way for two weeks, uh, and uh, which I'm sure must have made my business partners very, very uncomfortable. But the, 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 there was nothing they could do about it. And then upon and I mean they would sit. I mean I could. Uh, Practically pick the guy sitting in the restaurant. You know who was who was the guy who was following me. For two, I'm just an American businessman who happens to speak Arabic. But their but their but their paranoia their paranoia is so profound. And then when I left, they did the same thing. They rifled, they dumped my suitcase out at the airport trying to leave. They tore up tore up all the stuff in my suitcase uh left it there i had to pick it back in everybody else boarded on the airplane and then i was the last guy there and then a special a special shuttle came just to pick me up with two i'm not this is no joke kevin with two Mossad agents uh on each side grabbing my arm as we went up into the air, air airplane and they sat down uh, in the airplane uh, with me and that and that is what they do even to just normal american business people who are just trying to do business in israel and uh who happen to be you know fluent in arabic that that, that is how utterly totalitarian they are
0: well, you know, maybe I better uh, skip visiting Israel. If that's how they treated you when you were just a businessman who spoke <laughs> Arabic, uh, I don't want to think about how they're going to treat me. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you recently posted a very interesting list of items from food. Uh, and you know, we, we were just talking about you know these traditional cultures with China. There's there's Taoism and Confucianism. It seems like the the West Westerners prefer Taoism, just like in, in Islam. You know, the Islamic world, the Westerners prefer Sufism. Uh, And so that's a long discussion about why that would be. But in any case, there are these rich cultural traditions from the Chinese and Islamic worlds, that Sino-Islamic alliance that Samuel Huntington says is the biggest threat to the Western world domination. Mm. Um, How about the deep traditions of Judaism and to what extent they play a role in things like uh, Israeli policy, including Israeli genocide policy? you, you know, I had um Michael Hoffman on the show recently he blames the Talmud for much of the misbehavior of Israel and you sound like you agree when you you know you posted this list of items from the Talmud uh you all you know the headline was that it says that all non-Jews are lower than dogs and should be killed uh and there are so many of these passages from the Talmud that look so bad taken out of context but even i think in context they still look pretty bad
1: well i'm not an expert on 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 judaism i'm not an expert on the torah i'm not an expert on the talmud uh, in fact i'm just kind of learning that all of this uh w- along with the, the with the holocaust going on in uh in palestine right now but i was mortified when uh someone sent that sent that to me i was Absolutely. I just was like, it was just like a, a stomach, you know, a gut punch because it, it, it's so vile and so um, sick. It's so psychopathically sick uh, and that, you know, that basically er, the, the eight billion people beside what, how many Jews are there, seven or eight million in the world, outside of, the, outside of that small, that tiny little clique of people, everybody else deserves to die and of course the Talmud is is are are the oral are the oral interpretations of Torah, which is kind of like the hadith in in islam uh the you know the or the oral and the oral interpretation of of the of of, of the sayings of muhammad uh but you know this is really this is really vile vile ugly awful hateful racist uh Eugenist, uh, eugenist uh, language, and you know, I, people, I, I, people pissed off. You know, contact me. How dare you, you know, say that without verifying it? And I said, well, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of counterfactual. There's all kinds of counterfactual propaganda out there, and of course, somebody will come up and say well, it's just not true. They didn't. It's, that's not really in the Talmud, you know. And of course, for ninety percent of the people, that works. They just oh, oh, that must, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, I shouldn't have read that but I, but my answer to all all that is the 50% factor if even if even only half of it is right it is still a god awful psychopathic sociopathic deranged uh 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 you know uh, a, a set, 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 set of ideas and concepts uh, absolutely absolutely misanthropic hateful and then so then I of course, and your 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 guest Michael Michael is it Michael Hoffman was talking about the Jews, but and I keep and and one guy wrote me on Substack and said, oh well, only the Kazarian Jews read the Talmud. Uh, we the rest of us have the Torah. Well, we'll get to the Torah in just a minute. Uh, but I pointed out to him. I responded that. Well, the problem is, is that the the decision makers and the leaders and uh, who control the the West, you know, the the, the you know the, the banking, Wall Street, etc., uh, et cetera, uh halls of power. They do, if they're Jewish, they do read the Talmud. Maybe. Well, maybe, let,
0: let, let, let me push back on that, Jeff. I'm not so sure. Like, if, if you know, if you look at the wealthiest, most powerful Jews, even the bad ones, the really bad ones, like, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein crowd, Alan Dershowitz, I'll bet Alan Dershowitz has read very little Talmud, even though he's a huge, big time Jewish lawyer, Um, from people like Ben Ben Gurion never read the Talmud, but he was inspired by Joshua's genocide of the Philistines. So I think uh, think that rather than trying to blame these people actually reading the Talmud, you know, the, the Talmudic... Approach, you know, that, that kind of ethnocentrism on steroids in the Talmud sort of rubbed off on secular Jewish identity, too. I think that it, but I don't think it's quite that direct.
1: Well, maybe it's not that direct, but the, but I think the influence is there. I mean, I mean, these, these, these books have been around for 2,000 years. And so, um, uh, I, I don't, I don't think they, I don't, I don't think they exist in a vacuum. Um, uh, uh, Jewish. Uh, well, here in France, all, you know, the Jewish kids go to their own Jewish schools. They don't even go to public schools. They have their own Jewish schools, uh, and so are they? Are they? Are they not reading the Talmud? I don't know. But we can get to the Torah, which is the Pent- Pentateuch in the Old Testament, which is the five books of the of the Torah uh, of the to- the, the Torah is the five books. Uh, that are in the Old Testament, another forty nine books in the Old Testament. The Torah is not as explicitly uh, revolting and ugly as and psychopathic and genocidal uh, or, or I wouldn't say, well no, but the Torah is, <laughs> but in terms of just this downright racism, but even the Torah glorifies that the Torah glorifies exterminating tribes. Uh, uh, the, the genocide of tribes, stealing their land, raping their women, enslaving their children, uh, and and when you sit there and see a picture, uh, when you see you know a photograph of Mike uh, Pompeo at his desk and he's got a copy of the Bible on his desk, and when you when you hear about how the 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 U S military has been literally overrun with with Christian fundamentalists and Christian extremists they read they read the old testament for sure and again my it'll it be as direct as I'm stating but the, those ideas in, in the in in the, in the in the pentateuch in the old testament also uh, uh, appear to be realized by western uh, uh, policy in terms of uh, you know uh, hegemony uh, wars expansionism uh, genocide, exterminations, et cetera, that have been going on for you know for hundreds. Of, well, we could even go back to the to the uh, to the uh, 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 to the Middle Ages, but at least for with the Crusades. But we 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 can especially go back, you know, five hundred years of uh, of colonialism and imperialism. And the 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 philosophy of the Torah is definitely uh, at least. Uh, Represented by western Western history for the last five hundred years,
0: yeah, I, th- I think there's certainly some truth to that. That's one reason I trained Lauren Giyaeau's book from Yahweh to Zion is that I thought it was important enough to be worth you know a year and a half or two years of work. Uh, he does a really good job of examining the influence of the Torah uh, throughout history on you know, Jewish identity, mostly, but to some extent on the larger Western culture. And so, yeah, I think those are, are real problems. I think that when Michael Hoffman says it's all the fault of the Talmud and the Torah is the perfect word of God, mm. uh, I would say, I don't think so. I mean, I've, I've read yeah. the Torah and it's, it's, you know, it's a literary masterpiece. And some of the translation, you know, like the, the King's translation is itself a literary masterpiece but anybody who thinks this is inherent scripture has got to be out of their minds yeah. and you know hamdulillah i'm a muslim and the official uh view of the muslims is that it there was a it, it, a real revelation to these prophets the torah that we have has been distorted by uh humans um, to their own interests and so that kind of makes sense to me it looks to me like the they call them the elders of Zion, if you will, the the uh, or the intellectual and financial elites of the Jewish tribe distorted their scriptures in their own interests.
1: Yeah, yeah. I one one fan wrote me back. Uh, I, I get a, i and I re, I respond to everybody who ever contacts me, even if they're nasty and mean and say hateful things. I'm always very very I'm always very polite and I always respond back to everybody. And one guy wrote back and said, well. Uh, Six hundred thousand uh, uh, Americans uh, died he was, he, he was referring to the Civil War, of course. He said six hundred thousand people in in the United States you know died uh, fighting slavery uh, you know based on the new you know based on the Testament uh, you know scriptures, et cetera et cetera, etc, and including my including my ancestors, blah 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 blah. And then I wrote back and I said, well, they would not have had to have died if the leaders hadn't read the, uh, the Old Testament, which encourages slavery. So they were enslaved in the first place <laughs> using the Old Testament scriptures, not the New Testament. The New Testament's a completely different book. So uh, anyway, it's, it's, all very, it's all quite interesting.
0: Yeah, but I don't think we can blame slavery on the Old Testament, though, because pretty much every human civilization uh, has had slavery, and arguably they still do to a very great extent. You know, we're talking right now using a computer infrastructure that is built on minerals extracted in Congo, where Netanyahu wants to send the Palestinians. By the way, uh, where you know children are the slaves uh, working in these mines to get these minerals. And, you know, throughout all of history, the only societies without slavery were the primitive hunter-gatherers. And even some of them had slavery if they had enough resources, like the Northwest uh, Native Americans were hunter-gatherers mm-hmm. in a really fertile kind of climate where it's easy to gather a lot of food and stuff. And so they ended up having slavery. too. So there's been slavery pretty much everywhere. And, and, and I think actually, Jeff, that the Christian scriptures have had a very profound effect on history that has been, in part, liberating. And Girard got at the essence of this in his work on the, the notion of the scapegoat. Are you familiar with Rene Girard's work?
1: No, I'm not.
0: Okay, well, I, I won't do the, the The short version of it is that Girard argues that all cultures known to human history have been based on scapegoating because uh, human beings, unlike other animals, are uh, that we don't have instincts that stop us from uh desiring individual uh self-aggrandizement and so we look at each other and we desire what the other person has and we desire what they desire and there are no breaks no instinctual breaks on this like with animals you, can, you know throw the other animal on, on their back and grab their throat and the animal surrenders and that's it no so we end up all human groups end up at each other's throats in breaking down into anarchy or what you know islam calls fitna and the solution then arises when the group turns on someone usually powerless or an outsider, and lynches them, kills them and suddenly, when they 've gotten it out of their system uh, and there 's this you know dead scapegoat lying there, suddenly everybody is unified again, and now they unite behind the guilt, shared guilt in what they 've done and then the lie they tell to sort of absolve themselves of that guilt. And so they build a statue to the scapegoat that they just lynched. And then every year they have a statue, and that that is the basis of pagan religion. So Gerard says one version or another of this has held together every single human society that's ever existed. But then that mechanism for holding together societies began to be eroded when christianity well to some extent you know judaism Christianity, islam all side with you know they say no more sacrifice the abraham and ishmael story but then jesus's alleged sacrifice becomes the sacrifice to end all sacrifices because it yeah, reveals yeah, yeah. the mechanism it reveals that hey you know this is all a big lie and you're just lynching not just in the innocent person but in this case you know you're inter- you're lynching the spotless lamb of god or whatever you want to call him so so now this new doctrine of christianity undoes the scapegoating mechanism that's held all cultures together and a certain kind of you know anarchy a new kind of anarchy is unleashed because there's nothing left to hold cultures together uh and but we end up this kind of identification with underdogs and, and scapegoats and so now we worship trans people we worship black people we worship women Uh, And homosexuals and all of these marginalized groups—the same types of groups that were more the you know the the lynching victim in the past—are now put up on the pedestal. Mm. And all of this that he sees is based on Christianity. So I I think there's actually a lot of truth to that.
1: Well, uh, I I did not. I I don't even know the author, but I would uh, when he says every culture, I'm always my, my eyebrows raised because going back at least 5000 years the, the chinese culture and civilization has been so different from from the west and uh, i you know th- they got rid of slavery you know a, lo- a long long way back it was even outlawed and, and, and of course it was not perfect and it was never ever ever as as extensive as it was in the west and the greek and roman empires their economies were based on Were based on plunder and 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 slavery. They were they were a piracy, plunder and they were slave slave economies. The Roman Empire was chewing through two hundred and fifty thousand slaves a year just to keep the Roman Empire going. Whereas, and that was one of the reasons that it collapsed. in, in the West was they just couldn't find any more. They couldn't find any more slaves. Whereas in China, slavery going back millennia has was always was always a a, a purview of the elites, the 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 wealthiest of, of, of society, uh, the you know people who had you know people you know, basically you know wealthy bourgeois type people. It was never it, it was never as extensive as it was in the West, and even by the Tang Dynasty in six hundred. AD they were already outlawing it so they they got they they were on top of slavery a long long time before um, uh, before the West ever 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 tried to do something about it uh, you know in the uh, you know during the uh, the Renaissance era etc so I'm I, I don't know that that's true about that scapegoating in, in Chinese in Chinese culture I don't know I, I just know everything about China is like, the exact opposite of the West, and in almost every way, and so I would be a little suspicious about about uh, just blanket including China, China just because it is another civilization.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I gave I also gave you kind of a, a very simplified
1: uh, yeah yeah I know, I know
0: description I know. I of I, I understand. I
1: understand. I understand.
0: You know, I, I actually I read Mo Yan's uh, novel "Life and Death Are Wearing Me Out." I actually read that as I was catching what may have been COVID or may have just been a really bad flu because COVID was starting (laughs) in China, (laughs) right? But we had a month (laughs) before I interviewed you. And that book actually can, can be profitably reviewed or interpreted According to Girard's theories, it's it just lines up perfectly. And Girard actually said that he got his ideas partly from the fact that so much great literature, pretty much almost all great literature, uh, seems to have this scapegoating pattern uh, buried in it. Um, and, and Mo Yan's Life and Death is Where he Me Out does. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe maybe it's it's somewhat there, but just, you know, there are different expressions of these things in all sorts in all different cultures but in any case you know the argument would be that that western monotheism along with its sort of uh, genocidal side has also included the seed of sort of awakening people to the mm-hmm. problem of uh, kind of a you know human sacrifice based mm-hmm. um, scapegoating kind of pagan uh, social mechanism, and you know, we'll we'll maybe we'll argue about that like in a year or two, or maybe you can read some <laughs> Girard, and we can I'll go back and read some more Girard. We can do that, but you know, get, getting back to the human sacrifice that's going on in Gaza right now.
1: Oh, uh, yeah.
0: oh my goodness, this is uh, how how do you square a you know Western civilization priding itself on its identifying with underdogs and scapegoats, uh, defending the victims. Uh, devotion to human rights and equality and the way the whole West is totally complicit in this just off the charts, evil genocide.
1: Well, I call it a Holocaust. I mean, it's, it, it, it definitely deserves the, mo- the moniker Holocaust. Uh, I was really, you know, I, I was very d- despondent. Um, uh, until about five hours ago I'll tell you because for, for one thing here in France on te- on television on mainstream television the what's going on in gaza has just disappeared I mean it's just it's not even being reported now uh at the fir- at first they were showing you know gazans you know and the and the bombed out bombed out gaza and and the and some suffering gazans of course not 80 85 percent of them were suffering you know, uh, Israelis and Jews, et cetera. But there was at least it was at, it was at least being reported on. Whereas now, the whole the whole thing has been reduced to the you know to the you know to this you know that 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 band that band band at the bottom of the screen that has like little factoids. And it'll just have like a little factoid uh Israel Hamas reports that uh, as of such and such a day 22,000 something have been killed and it's so, and so it, it just really worried me that it was had been completely now expunged now remember in France it is not only illegal you can be fined and imprisoned for denying the holocaust uh you can now be fined uh, so so, bad, a meat sofat, a Oh, I better, uh, I better yeah. retract that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is now also illegal to criticize. Uh, it is illegal to criticize Israel. It is illegal to criticize Judaism. I mean, it is that extreme. So, but anyway, to get back <laughs> well, to wait, it, wait a it, minute,
0: you, you just posted all this stuff from the Talmud. If that's not well, criticizing no. Judaism.
1: Well, I'm I'm hanging out I'm hanging out I'm hanging out on the coast of D on the D-Day beaches of Normandy. I hope they don't find me. And it's <laughs> and, and 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 it's in English and it's not in French. And I'm not about the Palestinian flag outside my window. You know, you know, hanging out on you know, on. The, I could put a Ukrainian flag and I'd be a hero. But <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, the um, but I read an article today and I will send you the link. It's an it's a Sri Lankan who grew up, in, who, was, who was born in Canada, grew up in America, and is now back in Sri Lanka. And it is a brilliant, Kevin, it is a brilliant uh, contextualization and analysis. And here is, here is what he is saying. He is saying that October 7th, when the OXA flood happened, the analogy to that is the Warsaw ghetto uprising in 1943 when they rose up against uh, the, the Nazis and he is comparing what Israel is doing in Gaza to what the Germans did in Stalingrad and he is saying that Israel and the United States and, and basically the West, NATO, is now, is now going to be sucked into a vortex that it will be as bad as as Stalingrad, and that it that the the all, the the all the Israelis are good at are killing children and killing mothers and and that and what's really good about the article because I couldn't really find anything about the, about the resistance, you know, the, and other than a few things on Twitter but he gives all kinds of links on telegram of of uh of um a palestinian resistance groups you know the al qasim uh, uh 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 group uh, all you know, the, the, the the military arms of of the palestinians and they're putting out d- daily facts of, just like what the russians do every day uh, on Telegram, you know, we kill this many soldiers, we, we blew up this many, this well, many they're, tanks. They're, they're
0: filming, they're not just telling us, they're giving yeah, us the video. Of, yeah,
1: exactly. It's
0: amazing video, Jeff. I don't know how much of you have seen, but I've been watching this every day, because, you know, Jazeera, Al Jazeera Arabic, uh, and all the other Arabic channels are, are covering this. You know, every, every time that the Al-Qasim brigades put out a new bulletin, you know, everybody... In the whole, you know, Arab and Muslim worlds is just, you know, hanging on it with bated breath. And then um, we're amazed as we we watch these Hamas fighters sprinting up to Israeli tanks and implanting explosives and running away. You know taking out Israeli <laughs> tanks, you know, pop, popping out of tunnels and from behind windows and blown up buildings and and blowing up Israeli tanks. and And so they're documenting it. They're not just telling us.
1: I know, he mentions that. It, it, I've just opened up my uh, my uh, thing The title of his art, it's on it's on the Greenville Post. You, I'm sure you know Patrice Granville at the Greenville Post. and it's called it's called GoPro, like the GoPro Camera. It's called GoPro guerrilla Warfare versus a TikTok genocide, and and it's really brilliant. And I'll send it to you when we get finished tonight. And he just shows, you know, Israelis dancing and showing off, and you know, eating food and and Palestinians m- m- mocking the genocide victims. Yeah, yeah, m- mocking the genocide victims, cruising around in their jeeps, you know, and on beaches and talking about how they can't wait to build houses here and. The the Palestinians don't deserve this waterfront property. It, anyway, it's it's brilliant. So I was really despondent. I thought, my God, what if Israel and, and NATO pull this thing off? Because I'm still convinced that that much turmoil, especially with Syria, uh, Iraq, um, uh, Yemen, uh, and and of course now Palestine, much of this is being is being perpetrated by the West to uh, destroy all of the gains that Russia and China uh, and, and Iran, with Saudi Arabia shaking hands uh, uh, with the Chinese, this is all to destroy the Belt and Road Initiative. This is to destroy all of the all of the the reproachment that uh, that Iran has made with uh, with the Gulf uh, with the uh, Gulf uh, uh, monarchies. Uh, and it's to destroy all the the good, goodwill that Russia has 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 developed in the middle east uh in the last uh, uh, three or four years and well, wait a minute. Uh, how
0: how could it possibly do that though this what what this is doing is it's it's pissing off the entire muslim world so much that yeah. they're inevitably going to join the russia china iran axis
1: well you know, chaos chaos creates opportunities, <laughs> and that's what the West does best is chaos, and and they seem they seem to do a wonderful job of spinning spinning you know spinning you know di- diabolical ideas out of out of the misery that they create around 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 the planet, and uh, so uh, but you know in terms of like you know shipping. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the, the the connecting the China with the Belt and Road Initiative, connecting Saudi Arabia and Africa and Iran, you know, with telecommunications and and uh, pipelines and and railroads and uh, et cetera. Uh, uh, you know, this uh, I I think the geniuses in, in in Washington and London. Uh, you know, uh, a figure that they can that they can they can stop all of that progress by uh, potentially causing, you know, a a much wider war uh, in West Asia, which, you know, is now the new name for the Middle East, which I endorse. So uh, it's yeah, it's um, it's it's amazing. So anyway, this article is wonderful. And he talks about how they take pictures and they pop up and they pop up in the tunnels and they're like 3 meters away from a battalion of Israelis and they're taking pictures of them and he said and he and he he mentioned the same thing that you said that the 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 people and the, the the Palestinians understand the power of war propaganda and they and that and that all of these that's why it's called the GoPro you know, the GoPro, these guys wear GoPro cameras, you know, wear GoPro cameras on their foreheads and this all gets, you know, dumped back and edited and it's blasted out. So it has lots of links to a number of uh, telegram channels that are showing all this. You probably already had them. I didn't. So I'm excited to uh, go back and, 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 and uh, start following some of these channels because all I was getting was just a a, a, a few drops of it on, on Twitter, and, and I'm, I'm sure the rest got censored.
0: Yeah, some of it is making it through Twitter, but you kind of have to know where to look because it does get yeah. censored pretty fast. But yeah, yeah it's it's very effective war propaganda because, you know, you have this group of lovable heroic underdogs, which is how the al Brigade fighters appear and are perceived and honestly I think it's it's easy to have them look that way. I mean what they're fighting, they're resisting genocide for your sake and they're lives in these, you know, amazing kinds of operations that are super telegenic. And it really you watch the stuff and it makes you want to go there. And do that it makes you want to pop out of tunnels and blow away Israeli soldiers. So right mm-hmm. now there are you know two million Muslims around the world and maybe another couple of million people in the global South who are watching this and kind of like yeah you know having the same responses when they're watching a football or you know, soccer game and cheering for a team <laughs> you know yeah yeah well, I wish I could be out there kicking that ball into the into the goal yeah <laughs> I wish I could be out there you know blowing that Israeli tank away. So now you've got four billion people around the world who are like dreaming of blowing away Israeli. And military equipment. <laughs> and that's yeah, you know, I don't think the Israelis probably really want that. And and all you know, and, and also watching this destruction of Gaza is just so horrifying and, and it it's so it makes you so angry that you know I could understand out of the you know four or five billion people in the world are gonna be this and having some of this reaction, that there will be a non negligible number who would be willing to risk and devote the rest of their lives to making sure that Zionists pay for this to the extent of, you know, wh- whether it ultimately ends up requiring non-return to sender WMD delivered to Israel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe mm-hmm. ethnic specific. I don't know. But there, there are a lot of people, including possibly some very smart people uh, who are going to be, you know, taking advantage of all of the changes in weapons technology to spend the rest of their lives and maybe they'll teach their children to spend the rest of their lives to make sure that what we're seeing happening in Gaza right now
1: is avenged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it needs to be because it it is, but, but as, as this guy said, by, by, by turning Gaza into rubble, it actually plays into the hands of of the, of the Palestinians, just like when when Stalin was reduced to rubble, um, it was the it was the it was the it was the russians who knew the territory and and, and it made it impossible at that point for the germans to bomb you know, to bomb the russians after they re, re, uh, uh, turned stalingrad into rubble because the russians were just right were right there right next to the germans behind the uh, behind the pile of rubble <laughs>
0: But, right, rubble was a pretty good kind of terrain yeah, to fight from. Yeah,
1: they, 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 they were, they, they, it was a close, cl- it was called, he, I think he called it close contact combat. In other words, being in rubble and knowing the terrain, the, 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 the Russians could be five or ten meters away from the Germans and the Germans didn't even know it, you know, until it was too late, you know, and then they would swing around and, and gun them down. So they can't. So, so now, what what has been reduced to rubble? The 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 Israelis can't. Uh, as, although it appears the the Israeli government doesn't even care if they kill their own people, but but they can't really go and and, and bomb the, the 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 Gazans now. The Palestinians meters away from. Them. So if they if they bomb if they bomb the Gazans, they're gonna bomb their own soldiers. So anyway, it gave me a lot of hope. I'm going to go to bed much more po- much more optimistic because this cannot be allowed to they they can't NATO cannot be allowed for this to win. Uh, just like cannot be it cannot be allowed for them to win in Ukraine. Uh, these these Ukraine and 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 Palestine need to be two of the major death knells to. Uh, five hundred years of Western imperialism and colonialism, and and I, and I just hope, I just hope that uh, it's true. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I, well, yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna, I, I actually, I, I actually, um, I actually made a a guest post of uh, of this guy's, uh, although to help Patrice, I used his his link, uh, but uh, Patrice republished re- 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 it in its entirety, and it's really, really h- gave me hope. And I'm going to send it to quite a few people and and tell them to read it because you know we need we need we need to be positive and we need to we you know we don't want you know we don't we don't we're living now we're living in a news vacuum and we don't know what's going on we don't know what to believe but according to what you're saying and what this gentleman was is saying in his article the the Palestinians are winning the Israelis are losing. And it's inextricable. And Israel and NATO are going to be sucked into this thing for as long as Afghanistan. Well, you know, I hope you're wrong, Jeff, in suggesting that the NATO
0: wants this to expand into a regional war. Uh, my reading is they probably don't because that would hasten the uh, death of NATO yeah, and Western yeah. world domination because it uh, alienate the rest of the world. Some of the entire global South uh, would, would, you know, is already uh, just appalled by this whole thing. So my take on it is that when, you know, the Biden's Biden's minion of, you know, liberal, quote unquote, liberal Jews were really pretty much neocons uh, with a you know little bit of, uh, you know, makeup, uh, lipstick on the pig. But those guys, I think, realize that a regional war, Would be the death knell of the U.S. empire. They realize that they've already taken a huge hit in terms of their interests by uh, sticking up for Netanyahu and his radical extremist allies, and so they have these two red lines: no mass expulsions and no wider war. And that's what they've enforced on Netanyahu. According to the reports, wanted. To go all out against Hezbollah, meaning against Iran and the whole axis of resistance, yeah, right Iran. away, and and the U.S. Uh, forbade it. And so my thing is, the U.S. ultimately will side with the people who want to get rid of Netanyahu, and they will not change their lines. And so there will be no
1: war, war, and there will be no mass expulsions. Well, the uh, a good litmus test for that, Kevin, will be Yemen. You know, because Yemen has has has. Poked a massive stick into the eyes of, uh, of, uh, of Western Empire, and there was talk of you know, uh, the Brits, you know, threatening to bomb Yemen. You know, uh, so that would be a litmus test. If they start bombing Yemen, uh, yeah. that would be that would be a bad omen.
0: Yeah, that's right. No, this it it could get out of control in in Yemen in Yemen or Lebanon.
1: Yeah, or yeah. Lebanon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And I, do, I think Netanyahu wants that because that's his only way of staying in power. But I think that the cooler heads realize that that would be suicidal for them. And so I think we're seeing a parting of the ways, where the cooler heads, who don't, you know, are not particularly cool, and not particularly good people, yeah. uh, but they're going to take, I think they're going to take down Netanyahu before too long.
1: Well, I have a good, I have a question for you. Why hasn't Hezbollah, you know, lose their their armada because they're much much more powerful than uh, Hamas?
0: Right. They're holding it in reserve because, you know, if, if Hezbollah, well, Hezbollah could, you know, create tremendous, da- so much damage uh, in Israel. Israel would be compelled probably to totally flatten Lebanon and then maybe Iran, too. So, so that's, you know, once, okay. once, Le- once Hezbollah has to use everything they've got and they you know flatten a lot of Israel, then you know, Israel goes all out and it's, it's a lot regional war and there's tremendous damage. But ultimately, Israel has the news. And if it looks like if it looks like uh, Lebanon, you know, it looks like Hezbollah kind of started it or can be plausibly blamed for it. Then the U.S. lets Israel get away with it and or actually comes in on Israel's side, because if the U.S. doesn't come in on Israel's side, Israel loses. So it's a situation where the only way that Netanyahu could imagine this actually happening is if he can set it up in such a way that it looks he can blame it on hezbollah and get the americans to support him because there looks like he you know that, that israel is the victim here and i think the americans you know are willing to go along with israel painting as the victim up to a certain extent but like they told him no you cannot uh, you cannot go after uh, hezbollah on october 8th they, they read him the riot act and he didn't. and so i i think that same kind of that process is going to be played out in the future, but you know, the trouble is that those guys is really that kind every of in, in a big regional war. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 we'll see where it all goes. Anyway, i think talking with you. Uh, keep up. God bless. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Like. Yeah, Jeff Foundation China Rising. That's